0: My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the sovereign, queenly, all kinds of kick-ass creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free e-book by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio. And if you detect a little, like... <laughs> twinkle in my eye literally when I was just saying all of that blah 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 the thing I say at the top of every show those of you that listen on your way to work you always tell me I listen to your show on the way to work (laughs) you literally just popped into my head when I was saying that it just cracked me up and gave me a smile so shout out to those of you listening on your way to work (laughs) yay (laughs) and before we get too far into talking about spiritual maturity, which is the theme here for the month of January, here, there, and everywhere for kick ass Let's talk about immaturity, shall we? Because um, I just need to have I just need to have a little moment to say two words. The magicians. Yay <laughs> I watched Two hours of cheesy television last night, and I loved every second of it. Uh, If you follow me on Twitter, you might have seen me trying to get other people to chime in, but I might have been the only one in our little community (laughs) here. that was watching it um, because nobody was really playing with me there except for a couple of strangers that were like, I'm watching. And whoever runs the magician's Twitter account was like, you are not alone (laughs) because I was tweeting. Am I alone here? Because I was having a lot of fun. Um, The Magicians, if you don't know, it is on a channel called Sci-Fi S-Y-F-Y. I had never heard of that channel until I went looking for the magicians. But it's the new series based on Lev Grossman's—I think it's a young adult book series called *The Magicians*, and I have meaning to read that. I, I you know, you—it's if you go into a bookstore, you see it. Like they put it out prominently. It's a really popular series, and I keep meaning to read it, but you know, so many books so little time, it's the bane of every book nerd. So when I saw that there was a TV series coming around, I was like, oh, cool, I'll just watch that. (laughs) Um, And it was, I guess, Lev Grossman, he is not ashamed to say as a grown man that he was inspired by Harry Potter to write the series, that he was kind of imagining, like, you know, well, what would happen after Harry Potter, you know, or for older people, like... You know, when you go to college, like college-age people, what what would a magic school be like at that age? Um, so I don't know. I just think it's interesting that – There's so many grown-ups that love the Harry Potter books and read these young adult books because, you know, and you would say that that's immature, right? (laughs) But but we love it, and we live, you know, our busy lives. We're driving to work in the morning listening to a podcast to keep ourselves tapped in, you know, to the magic of life while we have to go deal with the realities of life. Um, I posted something on Facebook a couple days ago. Um, And your answers, the people that answered me back, that's where I hang out primarily online, FYI. I do love me some Twitter and some Instagram, but I kind of consider Facebook my hub. And a lot of what I do there is tied into whatever theme I'm working with that month or whatever I'm talking about here. But I posted a quote from Silver Ravenwolf that said, as a girl, I used to believe that I can see and taste the air. I was told that was impossible and forgot how to do so. And then I followed that up by saying, what did you forget you once knew? And the answers were sweet. I guess in general it would be magic. <laughs> I used to know magic. And that resonates with me in such a deep way. Because I feel like magic, When as adults, when we start pursuing that, we're trying to get back in touch with that part of ourselves that we knew as children. That's very, very real. Um, and those of us in pursuit of magic, real magic, magic with a K, it's interesting how we're often looked upon by outsiders um, to this way of life as having our head in the clouds or being lost in a fantasy land or even delusional. <laughs> and I have found that in my own life, what I've been most afraid of in coming out of the broom closet is not the condemnation of eternal damnation, which I wholeheartedly do not believe in. So I guess that doesn't rattle me when people are like, Oh no, you're going to hell. I don't believe in hell. So that doesn't really push my buttons. But what does is the judgment that I am somehow crazy, that I am a silly little fool. And something about that still stings a little bit, depending on the person saying it. Um but then I see all these grown ups gravitating toward the work of J. K. Rowling or Les Grossman or Lev Grossman, um, or the whole Marvel's comic universe or star wars hello star wars the force (laughs) and i think aren't we all silly little fools that way and is that such a bad thing and i say that jokingly because i don't believe magic is silly i believe it's incredibly important and it has been in my life anyway it's been the most potent form of healing And that healing has brought me to a place of spiritual maturity in which I am able to tap in to the power within to affect real change in my life and then still look out at the world, the rest of the world, with a sense of childlike wonder. And I hope... To get even more like that as I continue to mature. I hope that as I spiritually mature, I become more and more childlike. I talk about that in my new ebook how spiritual maturity has the surprising effect of making you more childlike, childlike, whereas immaturity is characterized by childishness, and how there's a big difference between childlike and childish. Rant complete. (laughs) Anyway, spiritual maturity. Let's focus on that because this is the last show here in January and therefore it's the last episode on this subject for now. I tend to circle back on subjects. Sometimes I start talking about something and I'm like, ooh, this feels weirdly familiar. (laughs) I just did, my last video was on Momentum and I had a friend say, well, I didn't watch it because I thought it was, you were just reposting the video that you did on Momentum last year. I was like, no, they're two different videos. (laughs) And I'm talking about Momentum from a different, different angles, people, different angles, you know, but I do have my obsessions and I do sometimes repeat myself. So forgive me. But anyway, it's the last week of January in 2016, if you can believe that. And Imolk is less than a week away, or Candlemas, if you like to celebrate that. If you have no idea what Imolk or Candlemas is, if that's like talking a foreign language to you, uh, perhaps you know a little holiday called Groundhog Day. <laughs> that's coming up on us too. I actually love that movie. I did an episode here on that movie once. Um, it's in the current module for the Psycho-Spiritual Wheel of the Year, me talking about that movie. I try to watch it every year at this time of year. Um, I often say that and The Never Ending Story. Those are like awesome, my two most important pop culture spiritual teachings. But anyway, The Big Wheel, it's turning again. And this time, it's this turn, it's moving into something that I like to call the Spring Transition. That just keeps it simple, right? (laughs) And and the name says what it is. We're transitioning from winter into spring. It is the point on the wheel in which we begin to transition away from winter and start looking forward to and preparing for the first signs of spring. And if you look the wheel of the year and it's changing seasons just simply as a metaphor, Winter is a time for facing the hard, cold facts of life. It is a time of death, hibernation, rest, and renewal. It is a time in which the dry, dead, crispy aspects of your life start to merge with the soil packed beneath the ice of winter and it acts like a fertilizer for that which you need to bring into manifestation in the year ahead. Does that make sense? Um, In the Psycho-Spiritual Wheel of the Year, the program that I lead, I ask people during the time of, like, Happy New Year, when everybody's making their resolutions, I actually ask that they hold off on planting seeds for the year ahead. Not that it's not fun to choose some power words and perhaps a theme for the top of the new year, which I personally love to do. This year, you may know, I am working with the Energy of the Queen But in terms of planting seeds, symbolically, the winter is not the time for that. We do that in the spring. Of course, obviously, when it comes to real life, you can plant new seeds at any time and you do so all the time. But working with the wheel, it doesn't matter what the climate is where you live. If you work with the wheel metaphorically like I do. Like right now, I'm sitting in the sun. The sun is streaming through the window right now. and I'm wearing shorts. So... It's not about it's not about a literal experience of the wheel. Although if you live in a climate that matches, you know, that traditional wheel of the year, probably I would imagine that's an even more powerful experience. But working with the wheel metaphorically is about getting in touch with the seasons of change and the complete manifest the complete manifestation cycle or even a grieving cycle from beginning to end, depending on where in the cycle you're starting from. The life-death-life cycle on a mythological scale so that when it presents us, when life presents us with a sudden loss or challenge, we have that promise embedded deep within, that promise of life-death-life, like after death comes life. We have that embedded in our systems deeply and powerfully. It's deep down in our psyches where it can act as a source of great strength and support. And in that way, it becomes our faith. So for those of us that don't have a religious faith, in a way, the wheel starts to become that for us. It becomes a support system, which is why, I mean, every time I go around the wheel, I say this all the time, it gets deeper and deeper and more important to me every year. (laughs) You know, I thought maybe this is something I'll do for a year. And it was like, okay, I'll do it another year. Okay, I'll do it with a group of people publicly. I'll start leading a wheel. And it just, it never gets old ever. I never get sick of it. I always learn something new. Um, And this wheel, this metaphor for the seasons of change, whatever kind of change you might be going through in your life, whatever point on the wheel of change, let's say, it puts the emotions associated with loss and change and making scary leaps forward, it puts those emotions in check and at service to our needs rather than a position of power over us. And one piece of witchy iconography, (laughs) tarot iconography if you prefer, that brings – this concept to light, is the King of Cups. So Kim Huggins, who I think is the Queen of Tarot, I love her, I quote her all the time, she says of the King of Cups, he rises above the mire of turbulent emotions to use them as a strong foundation for all his ventures. So the King of Cups rises above, the mire of turbulent emotions, to use them as a strong foundation for all his ventures. A true master of emotions does not allow himself to drown in them. His feelings are used to buoy him up and bear his weight, supporting rather than holding down. So that's what I was just talking about. And I love here the whole take on the King of Cups as being an example of the power of emotion, which is, despite my rambling, the intended topic of today's episode, rule or be ruled, the power of emotion. Your emotions are powerful. That can be a good thing or that can be a bad thing, but they contain within them power. That's why that's one of the points on the Witch's Pyramid. Um, They have the power to inspire amazing feats of transformation they have the power to magnetize whatever it is you are intending, whatever intention you've set to bring something into manifestation, but they also have the ability to keep you stuck, unable to move forward, and resistant to change. So it depends on if if you're being ruled or you're ruling them. What I love about the King of Cups is that he shows us how to harness the power of emotions as a supportive Force, even as a catalyst, as opposed to something to avoid, lest they pull you under. And I think that's primarily what the fear of emotion is about. The primary fear associated with really tough emotions is that, right? That it's going to pull you under. That once you feel that shame, once you let yourself really feel it, once you feel that shame or heartbreak or grief or humiliation, whatever it is. You won't be able to stop feeling it. Um, We're afraid that emotions like these will pull us down into the swamp of sadness once and for all, (laughs) to reference the never-ending story, (laughs) Uh, when in fact, emotions, they actually have the opposite power. They can, if you harness them that way, they can, with a simple shift in focus, become the catalyst that moves you forward. So the King of Cups, I hope you're familiar with tarot because I'm not really going to get into what tarot is. I'm assuming that you know. Um, It's so trendy these days. Haven't you noticed everybody's talking about tarot these days, which I kind of love. I ain't hating it. Anyway, the King of Cups, elementally speaking, he is the fiery part of water. So the two elements represented in the King of Cups is fire and water. For me, that represents... Action and passion mixed with emotion. Therefore, he represents emotion and action. And there's another quote from Kim Huggins that I think I mentioned toward the end of last year when I did the series here on tarot. Like I did, I broke down the different suits and then I did a piece, a video, and a blog on the Major Arcana. Check it out if you want to learn more about tarot. Um, but, anyways, this quote bears repeating here because it's from the section on the King of Cups. And it has some the section of, sorry, I didn't even say what I'm referencing here. It's the companion guide to the Tarot Illuminati, my favorite deck, my go-to deck. But the section on the King of Cups, it has so much to do with spiritual maturity, as do all the um, kings and queens, I would say. But it has so much to do with spiritual maturity and using your emotions as a catalyst rather than letting them use you. And it goes like this. It is through activity, not passivity, that water attains its most powerful qualities, healing and compassion. It is through activity, not passivity, that water attains its most powerful qualities, so emotion in action. So you might think of the fire of anger, or the heat of humiliation giving rise to tears, and the cleansing nature of a good cry. That might be fire meeting water. Or how fire can bring water to a boil, which has the ability, you know, boiling water has the ability to transmute raw material into food literally life giving food, or to disinfect some raw material for some other use. Um, fire plus water, it is an empowering alchemical process. That's Those are the two elements I think of first when I think of the alchemical process. Um, and then for the spring transition module, we're working with this metaphor in a literal way, in a hands-on way with the Crafty Witch Project. We're doing a project called the Alchemical Icicle. Um, which I love. It's a really fun project. But um then there's also a section called Light as a catalyst. And you know, that's what we're doing at this time of year. We are looking forward toward the return of light, the return of spring and brighter, warmer days. So how can we use these first little moments of light, you know, on these growing days as a catalyst to move us forward. Um and but also too keeping in mind because we're in the middle here, we're not fully out of winter. We're still not done processing the shadows of winter. We're still in a period of integration. Which interestingly, I'm so talkative today. I hope you're hanging with me. <laughs> Buckle up your seatbelts, people. <laughs> I can't stop talking. I'm just when I this happens when um I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And then I like schedule my show right before the show goes live. And that was, this was one of those days where I pulled a couple of tarot cards and all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, all these thoughts started coming to me. So now I'm like trying to get it all out before I run out of time. But I was thinking about how interesting it is considering everything I'm talking about right now, how Mercury retrograde just ended and how, you know, a lot of us experienced that classic Mercury retrograde fuckery <laughs> during this period and then we like celebrated how it was over and um, Robert, Robert Ohato always says, you know, well, there's this period after Mercury retrograde. It's like you're not out of the woods yet because you're entering into a period of integration where you're going to integrate all of the lessons that or the messages, I should say. Mercury is the messenger that you received during the Mercury retrograde. So I asked, um, I think I I posted this on Twitter and in the group for Peace, Wadi, Psycho-Spiritual Wheel of the Year. Um, What messages did you receive during Mercury retrograde? Because now until February 14th, V-Day, it is a time for integrating all of that. So you have from now till Valentine's Day or, and forever, I mean, obviously, this is all just symbolic. But this is a time for supposedly integrating those messages. And I thought that was fitting because I think that's what we start doing when we start transitioning from winter into spring. You don't want to miss the messages of winter because you're so excited about the coming light, you know. You want to integrate the messages that you've learned. Uh and we don't always kick off a new year with Mercury retrograde, retrograde, but we did this year and somehow it just seems fitting. You know, Mercury Retrograde, it's so much about receiving the messages of your shadow. This is another thing that got me excited because I released an e-book during this Mercury Retrograde, which actually affected the, the release of it. <laughs> and it's... It's dark for me. I really went into the shadows with this book and it required some kind of shadow dance to release it. I felt very vulnerable like sharing it because it's not like a peppy, yay kind of book. It's asking you to step into your spiritual maturity and to look at your life in that way, to look at the shadows um, and I didn't even realize that I that, that tied into Mercury Retrograde and some, until somebody was watching um, a video I did on the subject and was like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect subject for Mercury Retrograde. And it so is. We're receiving those messages from our shadow. And the first of the five keys that I outline, um, the five keys to unlocking your personal power, the first key is about receiving the messages of your shadow And so is this next turn of the wheel as Groundhog Day so perfectly demonstrates. So that's why I can barely get the words out right now because I'm like, oh, oh, (laughs) oh, oh my God, this and then this and then this. I love making those connections. It's like connect the dots. It's so much fun. Um, And then it's just too perfect that we should be entering into just looking at the entire wheel of the year. It's perfect that – as we enter into the winter transition at the point of samhain or halloween that's when so many of us on a witchy path we look deep into the shadows um so it's perfect that we would begin winter looking at the shadows, and then that we would begin to transition out of the winter and into the spring by taking one last look back over our shoulder to see if any shadows remain that need to be addressed before moving forward. Which, going back to tarot, it brings to mind the journey from, like, the hermit to the star. So... uh... Where, do I wrote this down somewhere so I could tell you what I wanted to say? More stuff from Kim Huggins. She's such a badass. She has a new deck coming out with Eric C. Dune called the Tarot Apocalypsis or the Apocalypsis Tarot. I don't know. I'm definitely getting it. It looks awesome. Those two are a power duo. But um, she talks about how the star and the hermit card, they share a bond because the hermit guides your way into the darkness. So that would be at the point of winter transition, Samhain, Halloween. And then the star um it guides your way out, which would be what we're doing now, you know, those we're welcoming in the light. So many people during Candlemas and Imbolc we light candles, you know, cuz we're looking forward to the return of light. And it's a symbol that yes, this too shall pass. But I also love to not just look forward and say, yes, this too shall pass, but also what can I learn from this? And the reason that I'm talking about the shadow during a show about the power of emotion is because your ability to face your own shadow is directly linked to whether or not you will be ruled or you will rule your emotions. You will be ruled by or you will rule your emotions. So for example... Money. A person who has a lot of shame around money buried deep in their shadow can easily be triggered into an embarrassing or destructive overreaction anytime an unexpected bill shows up in the mail or their kids or their spouse or a coworker or somebody asks them for money. that's being ruled by your emotions. If you lose your shit around money um, over an unexpected request or a bill that's bigger than you thought it might be, you know, if you have a meltdown over that, you know you're hovering over a shadow issue. Whereas a person who has that same shame shadow around money, but who has shined a light of illumination on that aspect of themselves, they can use that trigger as a catalyst they can use it as a as a cue to act consciously so instead of overreacting when that shame gets triggered it's still there they still but they know it's there so they can go oh okay someone has set this water to boil and i can either use this boiling water to transform or to destroy does that make sense so um ruling your emotions in that case would mean using that shame around money as fuel to maybe go out and get an education, to learn how to invest wisely, or maybe even to go out and get a better job. Um, maybe the shame around money has had you playing small. So maybe then using that shame as a catalyst is the fuel you need to go out to get a job that matches your real skill set, um, a job that's worthy of what you're capable of and reflects a growing sense of self-love in that area. Even if you still feel the burn of shame, you allow it to move you into action in a healthy, positive way. This has been a highly metaphorical show. I hope you're hanging with me. Let me know. (laughs) I love your feedback. Thank you to those of you who leave me reviews on iTunes. That helps so much. And I've noticed they've really been stacking up lately, and they're all five stars, and you have the nicest things – say, and I really appreciate it. Um, And just anytime anybody reaches out to me who listens to this show, it's awesome. I love it. Thank you. Um, And then speaking of money and shame and all that, I'm actually going to be talking about money next month. Um, The theme for February, and I'm a little bit scared to talk about this, which tells me it's going to be juicy, is the rich witch woohoo <laughs> i just love saying that um so we can get more into talking about money and shame next month but i thought that was a good example to use here as well because so many of us get emotional around the subject of money for you though it might be something different it might be body issues or relationship issues or career issues or mother issues father issues issues around your sexuality whatever the issues See if you can shine some light on that for yourself now. You know, recognize that that issue is a shadow issue, whatever it is. If it's the size of your body or your inability to have a healthy relationship or the way money trigger, triggers you, see that as a shadow and see if you can shine some light on that for yourself now. Maybe you can create a special ritual for yourself to do that in honor of Immold or Candle Moth or what the heck. Groundhog Day, whatever, whatever. maybe craft a ritual for yourself that is designed to shine some light on that particular aspect of your shadow so that the emotion around that can eventually serve rather than defeat you every time it comes back up. And that's the promise of the shadow. It will come back up again and again and again until you deal with it. So you might as well deal with it now and give yourself the gift of a fresh start. And not let this, don't let this year be a tired rehash of last year and the year before that and the year before that. You know what I'm saying? And if you want some help with that, that's the kind of work we are doing with the spring transition module of the psycho Wheel of the Year if you can't afford to take that program, you can win a scholarship. I'm giving away at least three at the end of, at least three at the end of the week in a drawing I'm doing. Go check out my latest video on Facebook and you can learn how to enter that drawing. Have yourself a very blessed turn of the wheel until we meet again. Much love, Peace.